when I think of cleaning, just like as a concept, I generally think of it as a bit of a chore, right? Currently, right now, I have to really clean my apartment and I'm dreading it. <laughs> so do people come into the museum with that mindset? Is it tough to kind of like break them out of it? You're right. The expectation is drudgery. You know, there's people that are literally dragged there by their spouse or their parents. And, uh, you know, oh my gosh, museum of clean. This has got to be the most boring place in the world. But I'll tell you, Amanda, those people that get dragged there, they get dragged out. Okay. Because it is really a unique place. It's not anything like most people expect. Our museum isn't a how to clean. It's a be clean. Choose clean in, in every aspect of life. And that's what the museum's about, is the value of clean. I'm Amanda McGowan, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, I'm trying to change my mind about cleaning. Maybe it's not drudgery. Maybe it can actually be fun. Today, you and I are getting inducted into the Clean Club, the Clan of Clean, a trip to the Museum of Clean in Pocatello, Idaho, after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. When you enter the Museum of Clean, you'll see a lot of interactive exhibits. Or, another way to look at it, ways to put yourself or your kids to work. There are stations teaching kids how to recycle or how to try out different kinds of vacuum cleaners. There's even a window washing booth. And we show them how to do it like a kind of a professional does. They kind of swirl it. They don't just go up and down. They, they kind of want one motion to keep the water running. So there's a trick to it, professional trick or whatever. This is Brad Kissling. He's the director of the Museum of Clean. Brad tells me that beyond the DIY demos, the museum also boasts a pretty impressive collection of historical artifacts. We have a, a Roman toothpick. It's made out of bronze. It's about this long. At this point, Brad is holding his hands about a foot apart. Uh, the Romans had big teeth. No, actually, I'm kidding. If you can see my fingers now, they're, they're closer together. But it's, it's, it's still about three or four inches long. But we do have a couple other quirky things. Like uh, uh, we have a dog treadmill washing machine that's from the late 1800s you could use a dog or you know 
a goat or something too, but basically a slanted treadmill and the dog got on it and turned it and then a conveyor belt or belt turned the, the agitator in the washing machine. Yes, a dog-powered washing machine. I wonder if they have one for cats. But anyway, from there, we turn to the museum's collection of historic vacuums. We have the first vacuum cleaner. It's called the uh, Daniel Hess Carpet Sweeper. It's from 1860. Um, and most of the pre-electrics, they work on a bellows system. You are the power, basically. So when you pull or push this thing, that powers the, the bellows going up and down and creating suction. We also have an example of the first powered vacuum cleaner. And that was produced by uh, Hubert Cecil Booth in England. Uh, they were big, huge things. They were gas uh, with an engine with gas-powered, probably kerosene, maybe, or eventually gasoline. And they were in a big wagon with uh, drawn by a horse. And they would have big hoses to get in your house. And uh, that was 1901. This is a dumb question, but what did people do before vacuums? If there was a rug, they took it outside and beat it with a rug beater, which we have a bunch of old ones of those, of course, on a display. And in fact, there's a... <laughs> There's an interactive thing in the downstairs that you can beat a rug if you want to take your aggressions out on it. Once you've taken some aggression out on a pile of old bath mats, there's one other key thing to see. The museum also has exhibits that explore the idea of clean in a broader way. There's a garden of plants that clean the air, a model of an old English city exploring the history of public sanitation. Even the building itself is clean. It's made with energy-efficient materials, and the museum collects rainwater from the roof to reuse in the building's toilets and landscaping. Brad says it's all part of the museum's larger mission, to promote the underrated impact that clean has on our world. There's a lot of people that die every year not having clean water and, and proper sanitation, just, you know, just the, a basic thing that should be, you know, everybody shouldn't have to worry about that in this day and age, you would think. Most, if not all, of the world's problems could be uh, solved with an aspect of clean applied to them. Okay, before we go any further, Brad tells me that to truly understand this museum, there's somebody that we have to talk about. I should tell you about the start of the museum and our founder. That's the biggest story here, really. He's a famous guy. He's a really famous man in the, the world of clean. Our founder's name is Don Aslett. He was a farm kid growing up in central southern Idaho, Twin Falls area. In the 50s, he came to Pocatello to go to ISU and to work his way through college, he needed a job. He was told that he could make money cleaning people's houses. He didn't know anything about it. He shrunk people's rugs, he ruined people's walls. He did all sorts of dumb stuff, of course, like everybody does starting out in something they don't know about. But he learned as he went. That company started in college was called Varsity Contractors, later Varsity Facility Services. And uh, at one time he was in 50 states. Uh, he was one of the largest janitor business in the country. But eventually he got, he got asked to talk to a group of housewives about how to clean like a janitor does in their homes. The response was pretty overwhelming, so he did a couple more. Pretty soon he got kept getting asked the same questions. He decided, oh, I'll put them in a book. And he wrote his first book, uh, Is There Life After Housework, in, I think, 1978 or 9. He has now published over 40 books on cleaning and organization and motivation. He has developed products, and he had a whole line of stuff. They still do sell on QVC, and he had uh, stores. 
and he's got a lot of nicknames. I wish I knew a bunch of them off the top of my head, like the the urinal colonel and the uh, stuff like that. There's a whole litany of those. Don't worry, I looked some of these up. There's the Dean of Clean, the Sultan of Shine, and my personal favorite, the Don Juan of the John. And speaking of Johns, when I was noodling around on the Museum of Clean's website, I saw this photo. It's of Don holding what looks like a very squat, portable porcelain toilet with a handle on the lid. Um, I was also reading that Don had a toilet briefcase that he would bring around. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? That was his trademark because his thing was uh, pointing out the image of a janitor and how people in society look down upon janitors, basically. Oh, he's a janitor, you know. Well, he became a big janitor, you know, and he embraced that uh, and he wanted to kind of show people how important janitors are. You know, you go to a big building, it's nice and clean, it's maintained, but you don't see who's doing it. It's these people at night. And he really wanted to point out the uh, the importance of janitors and how they should be looked upon by our society as, as heroes, really. And uh, so his toilet suitcase was part of that. He would uh, <clears throat> He would check it as a bag on an airplane. And it would come out the baggage claim and he would purposely let it go around the carousel a number of times and just watch people's reactions. So they've seen his toilet going around and around. By the 80s, Don had really become, as Brad said, a celebrity in the world of clean. And around that time, Don was visiting a history museum, the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan, to be precise. And in one of their exhibits, there was this pre-electric vacuum on display. That vacuum changed everything. And it kind of blew his mind. So that got him inspired. He started thinking about it. And and so at, at his corporate buildings, he started building a little, a very small exhibit just for people to see and the thing kept growing in this building and at first it was a hallway and then as people would uh, quit or retire or get fired he would take over their offices and put more stuff in and so this was about 1986. 20 years later in the early 2000s Don bought a collection of historic vacuums nearly 300 of them and it became clear that the museum really needed a real home of its own Around this time is when Brad came into the picture. Well, in a professional capacity, at least. Because, see, Brad and Don go way back. The reason I got this cool job, okay, well, Don's, Don's my uncle. Just a, nepotism works well sometimes. But anyway. <laughs> and do you ever remember, like, as a kid, him giving you cleaning tips or coming over and being like, you got to clean this room like it's a mess? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean... It was kind of funny because when he he really got fame or you know started getting famous was when he wrote that first book, and uh, and all of a sudden I'm seeing my uncle on TV and that kind of thing. It's like oh wow okay, I used to live in Southern California and um, I went to a Fedco if you know what those were. I don't think they have them anymore. Uh, anyway, it was a store, and I'm tooling through Fedco and I go around this corner and there's a cutout of my uncle standing there. <laughs> And I think that's what makes the museum uh, what it is, too. It, it's it's Don. It really is. Don is in his 80s now. And even though he's retired from most of his businesses, Brad tells me you can still often find him in the museum telling stories and even racing kids at the window washing station. 
Today, the Museum of Clean has expanded a lot from its early days in the back hallway of Don's business. In 2012, the museum opened its doors at a giant 74,000-square-foot building in Pocatello, Idaho. Brad says that he hopes the museum encourages people to see clean, and maybe even cleaning, in a different way. Cleaning is not a, a chore. I don't, I don't think it is. Like anything, you can make things into what they are for you and entertain yourself doing them, you know. Like when you're vacuuming, make a pattern. I don't know, you can do all sorts of stuff, right? Make a game out of it, race your kids with the vacuum cleaner, I don't know. I don't know, it just, it feels good to be cleaner, doesn't it? The Museum of Clean in Pocatello, Idaho is open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5. Special thanks to Brad Kissling for telling me the story of the museum and of the Don Juan of the John, his Uncle Don. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gabby Gladney, Gianna Palmer. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And if you would like to learn more about what you heard today, check out our website at atlasobscura.com. We will put a link in the episode description. I'm Amanda McGowan, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. I gotta go clean my apartment. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.